Welcome back to the CareerCast. I'm excited for today's episode. We have a recruiter from Higher Echelon who's going to tell us why the job market is flooded and what you guys can do moving forward if you're in the job market, tips, tricks, little things that you can do that make you stand out when you're searching for a job, especially in today's market where it seems like nobody's getting hired, but everybody's hiring. Doesn't make sense. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm joined today by Rob Gifford, uh, the recruiter for Higher Echelon, which is the company that I work for, uh, which is going to be interesting because Rob's view on the, today's job market is going to be you know, great information for people that are trying to get into the ecosystem as well as maybe looking for a new role. Um, we're going to cover a couple different topics, and we're actually going to start with Rob's uh, career journey, like how he got here, because... I don't think anyone grows up saying that they're going to be a recruiter. And I think this just ties into um, you never know where you're going to end up or what you end up enjoying. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people had ideas that, especially for um, transitioning military, you know, someone getting out of the military, uh, whether they're retiring 20 plus years or um, someone like myself that got out after seven, you have this idea of like, this is what I'm going to do in my second career. I mean, things happen in your life. So, Rob, thanks for joining the show, and let's kick kick it off with uh, how you got here. Yeah, man, pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, this is uh, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to use like an adage in the Salesforce ecosystem, I'm kind of you know like the old accidental admin. Well, I'm uh, the accidental recruiter, uh, and you're right. I don't think anybody ever does just wake up. I mean, you always want to be a lawyer, a doctor, or something. You know, professional ball player. Um, it definitely wasn't a recruiter. <clears throat> it's funny. Um, Prior to me actually becoming a recruiter, my wife told me that she was like, you know, you'd be a really good recruiter. And I'm like, I don't think so. But, you know, fast forward a boatload of years, you know, here I am and and doing exactly that. Um, You know, my career uh, took a lot of turns, you know, early on. Um, I did primarily I was involved in sales and business development efforts uh, for a variety of companies. And back in, I think, like 2017, uh, I was introduced to somebody by the name of Joe Griffith, who became, um, you know, my future boss uh, through somebody that I worked with prior at at another company um, and, you know, took a account executive role with a company called CRM Science. And Joe was uh, the chief success officer there, and I reported directly to him. So that was like my break into the Salesforce ecosystem. But it was in it was in a sales capacity, which I've you know I've done for for a while. Um, I can't say I've ever really enjoyed sales, so to speak. I'm much you know it's very process oriented, and and it's just you know I'm not the pushy kind of person that is going to force people to do something, which I feel like is a strong quality of, you know, being a a salesman. Um, And, you know, uh, I was much better at, you know, opening doors and allowing somebody else to shut them, you know, from like a closing standpoint. And I don't know, I just, you know, I never had a passion for it. And even in, even in Salesforce, it just, it wasn't something that I like overly enjoyed. I did it because it was, you know, good money and, and whatever. Um, but I'm actually, you know, when you look back, I'm super happy that my path took me the way it did um, because, you know, it made a transition into recruiting so much easier. 
So, you know, I worked as an account executive in business development. And then, you know, the company I was working for at the time had a need for a recruiter. So they asked me to do that. I actually found like two or three people just via network. You know, it was a referral bonus program that they had there. So anytime like we ever had something open, I was always kind of just putting a LinkedIn post out there, pinging a couple of people in my network. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing it full time and I was pretty successful as, you know, hey, here's a need, go out and find it, you know, and do it quickly. Um, and I found some really good talent. And then I was just like, you know, I really, really love like this aspect of it. Um, I think it's a lot of, you know, I kind of get to do things like my own way versus, you know, in sales. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, it's a different type of relationships you build, you know, with people. And I feel like in recruiting, um, you know, you do right by, right by people. Um, and then other people are going to refer other people to you. And where you go is going to be a direct reflection of you, your character, you know, stuff like that. And, um, I feel like, you know, uh, I've definitely made some, some, you know, different turns in my career, especially being in the ecosystem, you know, so I worked for, for CRM science for a little bit and, you know, I was there for like four years. So I wanted to try something new. So, um, I took another job with, uh, you know, another startup, uh, company called hike Two, and there's some really good people over there. And, uh, you know, I made the one mistake that I feel like I talk to people about all the time, which is, you know, don't ever take something for money because eventually like it's not going to be there. And that was the start of, you know, the whole COVID era. And, you know, somebody offered me a boatload of money to, to go be, you know, a recruiter uh, at another company. And then I got like laid off like three months uh, after I started. So I'm like, that's awesome. You know, I was happy where I was at. I took this other job. I did it for the money, you know, a significant amount more. And then three months later, I'm just like, God, did the one thing I said I would never do. And then um, took an, uh, you know, another job after that, which you know, was a really good company. Um, uh, I ended up being more of a Microsoft Dynamics recruiter than a, a Salesforce recruiter, which wasn't exactly my specialty. And then it kind of you know, landed me at, uh, at Higher Echelon, where I am now, you know, working with fine folk like yourself. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, I've uh, never been happier in my career. Um, you know, than I am at this point in time. It's, uh, you know, great group of individuals. I'm, I'm extremely lucky. You know, I've, uh, I get an opportunity now to work with people that I've hired, you know, in the past or other companies that I've worked with um, or worked for. And, you know, um, I always say like, you know, you, you hire good people, good people always know other good people and good people always want to work with other good people. Um, so I've always kind of like lived by that mantra as far as, you know, being a recruiter, because it all just sums up with, you know, myself bringing on other good people, creating, you know, that company culture um, and then just kind of growing it organically. I think it's. Uh, I, you know, just listening to you, I think you can pretty much say that a recruiter is <clears throat> going to bring in somebody that kind of sets the culture. Um, because you're the first, you're the access point, right? So, and again, you brought up yeah. good people, no good people. So um, I think it's also funny that you started by just referring people. I know you're always pushing like, you know. Yeah, yeah, now everybody else internally. give me referrals. I know, I know. <laughs> That's exactly how it started, man. I'm, you know, uh, just brought in a couple people just through, 
uh, my network and not doing anything crazy. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not an, you know, a LinkedIn influencer. I don't have some crazy following, you know, when it comes to that, I, I just, you know, tried to post, you know, just some meaningful stuff and, you know, meaningful to me is like a short blurb about what I'm looking for, you know, in a person. And then, you know, all, it's a Salesforce ecosystem, right? It's the Ohana way. Like people always want to help other people. So I think you just got to really, really play off of that. And I will say this being in, you know, a couple other ecosystems, um, there is no better ecosystem, you know, in terms of uh, culture than I feel like Salesforce. Because no matter what the economy looks like, what's going on, whatever's going on with layoffs, who's laying off, a lot of stuff, right? If somebody gets laid off in the Salesforce ecosystem, it's kind of wild. Like I've seen people that, you know, just went through like a really trying time in their life. Like they just got laid off. They was before Christmas, whatever. You know, somebody posts like one thing, like I'm looking for another job. Next thing you know, you know, get the right person to share it or, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you know, you have a thousand people that are liking it and people really go out of their way to, you know, show support in a time. And I don't think there's any other time where somebody really needs support, like when, you know, they're going through a rough patch in their life where, um, you know, they were laid off or, you know, just somebody else is laid off that they know or, you know, people in the team, like all sorts of stuff. You know, you work at a company and, and um, you know, it's a, you know, you've, you like bond with people and you form these relationships and, you know, all of a sudden somebody gets laid off. Like it really kind of takes the wind out of your sails, you know? So um, it's a bizarre time that we live in right now, but I'll tell you this, like no matter what, what is going on in the world, like Salesforce overall is definitely a place from both like techno standpoint or just going on, you know, uh, on the, on the partner portal, asking a question and having, you know, hundred people like respond to you in a short amount of time. Like that's awesome. But it's also, you know, awesome when you post something on LinkedIn and it gets shared a lot um, and you have an opportunity to put somebody in a, in a better place than, than where they were, you know, in a variety of different, you know, ways. It's interesting that you bring up the the ecosystem and compared to other ones uh, outside of the military, this is, you know, I guess I can only speak to that, but I've, it's definitely something you're aware of, um, or at least you can kind of feel the, the energy within the ecosystem. Because like you said, one person will post, you know, they lost their job for layoff, whatever. Um, everybody kind of comes together and I don't, there's no like real benefit for it. It's like, they just seem like really nice people. Right. Yeah, so man, it's the whole pay it forward mentality. You know, um, you know, I always, I'm a firm believer that good things happen to good people. Um, and, you know, one small gesture, you know, to you, maybe something enormous to somebody else. Um, you know, I always like, you know, warms my heart when somebody, you know, didn't have an opportunity and then all of a sudden, like, you know, you see something in, in them that maybe somebody else didn't see and you present them something that, you know, like maybe they didn't even realize that they were going to be good at, right? And then all of a sudden you, you bring them on board um, or introduce them to somebody else that, you know, is looking for, you know, this one position, but they were something else, like kind of like me, you know, somebody that wasn't overly happy in sales, but I just did it because, you know, I talk a lot um, and, you know, I'm kind of personal uh, and 
frankly, it was what I was always taught to me that I was going to do from the time I was in, you know, business school and college that they would say, well, you're going to be, you know, in sales and you just got to latch on to something that you're really passionate about selling. And I've done everything from like lawn care to industrial supplies to ERP software to, you know, CRM. Um, so I've done uh, a lot and it's still, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a job to me, but recruiting is something that, I don't know. I don't want to say like, I'm never going to, when I retire, I'm never going to sit there and say like, oh, I never worked a day in my life. Like that, that's not what I'm saying. Um, it is a job. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a lot of hours, um, but it's worth it at the end because, you know, it's one thing for our, for me from a financial standpoint, but it's another thing that like, you know, yeah, I get paid, but also, you know, I'm getting paid to like help somebody else, you know, um, bring them here to higher echelon or, you know, wherever I was working at the time and just put them in a better situation than where they were. You know, there's a million reasons why people are looking for a job, right? You know, it can be changed. They need to change themselves. You know, something happened with the company, there was layoffs, you know, so to, <clears throat> to be able to like look yourself in the mirror and know that you do something that's going to impact somebody else's life. I think is awesome. And then you factor in a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, but like the, uh, you know, the mission overall, as far as higher echelon goes with, you know, um, having like 40% of our employees being military vets or military spouses. So you'd like factor like all that stuff into one. I'm like, I got the greatest job in the world. Yeah. I would imagine it makes it easier. I want to LinkedIn culture is not friendly. Uh, hold on. They're skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> they're skeptical towards recruiters, right? Because you will get uh, just a flood of requests like, hey, we have an opening here, right? Um, I want to get your input and your kind of view on that kind of interaction with a potential hire, right? You had mentioned it's not really, you're not, you're not out there cold. They're not just a number to you, right? It's kind of like you had mentioned, you definitely want to, you see it as you helping somebody. You're not seeing like, it's not all on one side. It's like, this is a number. We got to hire this person. And then we're on, you view it as like, I'm potentially helping somebody out. Yeah. I get mean, them into a, get them into a role that they have a skill set. Yeah. At the end of the day, know. look, there's a financial aspect behind everything we do as far as business goes. Right. And, you know, um, bringing on somebody that was working somewhere else. Right that may have even been happy, but, you know, you present something to them, right? And you let them make that decision, right? I, I can only do like so much a, as a recruiter. You know, you, you sit there, you present the culture to somebody, you talk about the, the project or, you know, the specific role and, you know, like what you see as far as like growth potential and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? At the end of the day, it's somebody else that's going to make that decision. So it actually is a lot easier for me from like, an, you know, an anxiety standpoint of, you know, like in sales, I, it was always like, well, a lot of your pay was like highly like reliable on you know, how much you're going to close, like how much business is going to come in. Right. You know, I feel like here it's a lot more natural and I'm not worried about that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a project, there's a role and there's a there's a person out there for it. It's just my job to go out there and find the best person for that. And that doesn't always mean that they're the best techno fit. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you need to hire um, culture over technology. Like we all, if you're good and you're a good person, 
and you're smart, you're driven, like you're going to be able to, you know, be a BA, but have a path to a consultant, right? And then possibly architect. Um, an asshole is always going to be an asshole and that's going to be really hard for you to change. You know, you can, you can turn somebody into a techno fit. That's really good. Um, that might not have the skill sets now, but you know, can grow into something like that, but somebody that's just not overall a good person and not somebody that I consider part as the higher echelon culture, or just frankly, culture in general, from wherever I was working. Um, it, it's like the last thing I'd ever want to do is ruin a good thing by bringing somebody in here that, Everybody else is picking up the work on, you know, that other person. And, and I mean, you know, there's a million reasons why somebody, somebody wouldn't work out, you know, here or wherever. Uh, but I think it's like really important to understand like the characteristics that go into like, like that good, good type of person that may not have fit like directly into this box. But like, if you could figure out a way to think outside the box or expand it, like, you have that opportunity to like grow that person, you know, organically and turn them into something that, you know, is going to be phenomenal for both you, the Salesforce ecosystem, the company, you know, um, you do right by somebody again, you know, like uh, they, they're more, uh, they're, they're more susceptible to sending, you know, other good people your way and, and hiring off the, the best way you can, which is like, you know, homegrown versus like Rob the recruiter reaching out to you and shooting you like some BS message that's all copied and pasted and sending it out to 30 people at a time and having, you know, nobody get back to you. Um, that's like the, the way that I've kind of built my network. Do you have a list? Like, how do you gauge personality? It did, was that when you first kind of were a recruiter as like officially, were you, uh, well, one, when you found out or decided you were going to move into that role kind of like full-time, were you like, okay, let me like take a class. I don't even know if there's classes on this stuff. It was, uh, it was what... a lot of trial and error of just talking to people. And then after a while, see the nice thing about coming from the business development sales world is like, I could already talk like Salesforce, you know? So I understood the roles and, and um, you know, things like that. So it was a little easier, but you know, you know, when you're talking to like a developer and they're like, you know, personable and they run through a list of certain things and like, you know, and they bang out a bunch of stuff or just people in general that I don't necessarily have to like go into a boatload of questions on, you know what I mean? Or ask them the standard, like, you know, oh, tell me about a time when this, like, I hate that stuff, you know? So like, I feel like my interview style is probably different than most people's in that if somebody is like really nervous or whatever you know you're like what's going to happen you're not going to get the best version of of them in a half hour time right and if they don't feel comfortable then they're not going to go to somebody else you know like the second part of the interview it's been a half hour of their time like it has to be good from the beginning and i feel like i'm great at like putting people at ease like i'm somebody that's always dealt with anxiety my whole entire life like I'm ADHD, I'm dyslexic. So like, I really feel for somebody when they're, you know, just sitting there and they're like shaking and they're nervous. Cause like the bottom line is if they're really nervous, like I'm not getting that, that version out of them that they're going to talk to me. Like they're going to give me like just standard answers that aren't going to like, you know, just, it's just not going to go up. So a lot of times like I'll even just stop someone if they're like really nervous. I'll be like, dude, 
what are you nervous about? They're like, what? And then like, they get real nervous when I say that. And I'm like, you got to calm down. Like, you, you know, like you're all over the place. And I'm like, sorry, I'm really nervous. I'm like, I'm like easiest interview you're ever going to have in your entire life. Like, what are you nervous about? So I feel like, you know, when you kind of like have like, you know, I don't want to call them like icebreakers, but when you talk to people like they're people and you don't put them in like weird situations to make them nervous or sweat, like you get the best version of themselves. I, I don't remember what company it was, um, but I, I remember interviewing like, you know, years ago, like when I was like fresh out of college. And so I don't know what I still to this day don't understand the tactic behind this. But I went like the it was like the CEO's office, but he wasn't there. And it was some like, you know, hiring manager, project manager interviewing me for for something. And he sits, he takes me into this office and then he puts me in the CEO's chair. And I'm like already uncomfortable as it is. Like, do I look like a guy that enjoys wearing a suit? No, like I wear sweatshirts every single day here in the winter. So I'm sitting there in a suit, you know, like, and I'm at, I'm I'm in this like uncomfortable situation where he's putting me in this big ass leather chair where you can lean all the way back, put your feet on the desk. He's like, just relax, you know. Hey, you're in the driver's seat now, and he's giving me all this like really dumb stuff, and and I'm just like, I was so not myself by sitting in a scenario in which I was so uncomfortable. So I I always like think back to that. And I go like, I never want to put somebody in there. I mean, there's interview tactics like I've read that are like hostile, you know, to see how somebody, you know, does under pressure. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? It makes no sense to me. Um, And I feel like, you know, since I've started here and I've been here at higher echelon for almost a year, um, you know, I've kind of like worked with people on, you know, just certain things to ask them at the end of the day, right. A solution architect, whether they've interviewed somebody or not, can ask any type of like, you know, architectural question to somebody in an interview. And that person, you know, will either pass based off of their answers or not. But I feel like, you know, the coaching like I've given people here, like I'm like, just put yourself in the position on the as like, you know, them, right? Like when you talk to me, how easy was it? Like, I just want them to be at ease. So they're going to be the best version of themselves. They're going to give you the answers that you're looking for, but it's in a natural way. You know, like there's no there's no reason for all these like situational type questions and, you know, just things like that. And and when somebody's like, you know, well, what about the technical interview? I don't even like consider things technical because I feel like the people that we hired. um, Yeah, like they may be technical, but like our developers are like client facing. Like we got like a really good, you know, good group of people that, um you know, can sit there and hold conversations with anybody, you know, without a lot of like, you know, assistance. Like, I don't need to be on these like interviews with people. I got news for, I've sat through like plenty of like client interviews with people and, you know, just on all sorts of companies that I've worked for. And I feel like nobody does a lot of prep and I don't think you need to do a ton, but I think you need to spend five minutes looking at somebody's resume. You need to pick out something in there that you may have a question about. You need to review the notes if somebody gave them to you. Right. And if somebody's really good, you know, uh, I feel like they would actually provide you with what a potential like red flag is. And I want that person like in the quote unquote technical interview to like, you know, assess that stuff, but do it in a manner that doesn't come out with, you know, like you're just probing on something, you know? Um, and I feel like, you know, when you kind of like, when you put all that together, it just makes like a really good experience for somebody. And then it gets to like the last person, 
And I'm like, not even worried about anything because I know that if I like somebody, if somebody else did, you know, and they passed that, you know, like, hey, this person can do the job. This is the job that I do. Um, I would love to work with this person. And then it gets to like Tim, you know, um, I'm like, I just feel like so comfortable because there's hardly any, there's hardly a lot of times where, you know, like he would say no, unless he really like picked out some, something in somebody that, you know, two other people missed. But I feel like we've gotten, you know, this process down pretty good and it's pretty, you know, it's light, it's enjoyable and people like aren't stressed. And again, you know, I, I, I know I said this a lot, but you've got to bring like the best version of that person out in, in an interview because there's just so much to gauge off of them uh, being in like a really good setting that, you know, is going to show a lot uh, moving forward. Let's get into the job market. Because I think it's rough out there right now. <laughs> so oh, it is. people uh, people that are going to click on this episode, listen to it, watch it, are going to kind of hope for some advice, right? Because people are out there, tons of people, are, millions of people are looking for work. People are getting laid off still left and right. Um, so why don't we start there? Uh, yeah. Why is it flooded? How long is it like? What What is your take on the current job market? It's really tough. I got off an interview today and someone someone told me that they were thinking about, you know, um, quitting their current job because their project's coming to an end. They're going to get put on the bench and you're only going to have so much time to be on a bench at a large company before they kind of, uh, you know, um, show you the door, so to speak. And I go, well, why would you like, no, just let them let you go. Like, stay every single day as long as you possibly can at a company in this job market, you know, um, <clears throat> and you never know, like maybe something opens up, sales closes a bunch of deals and you're there and they need a, you know, VA consultant, whatever. Um, there's a, there's a ton of reasons like, you know, why the job market is the way it is right now, but you know, um, high level, it's, it's not good. It's not favorable to somebody. It's not favorable to, um, at least from a Salesforce perspective, I'll speak to that. I can't, you know, talk about, you know, other ecosystems and stuff, but, um, you know, COVID had like this enormous impact on the way that we just naturally do things now, right. You know, work from home. Like there's a lot of good that came out of the last couple of years, but also, you know, what, what unfortunately happened was you had this like massive change all at once and COVID. And then there was just like, I mean, just picture, you know, going back to when COVID first hit and like, we had to be shut down for like two weeks. Like teachers that barely knew how to turn on a computer were trying to learn a new like online learning platform in which to show, you know, children. So it's like, Here's like, you know, somebody that could be like of an older generation, right? Close to retirement, like, you know, all, all that stuff. So you have this massive change from a technological standpoint. <clears throat> and some of that was, some of that was good. Um, when, when COVID hit, you know, all this, like, you know, like with Salesforce, like, you know, like the new, the Vax platform, like all this, all this stuff that Salesforce was creating, you know, um, and other partners in the ecosystem were creating, to manage vaccines and, you know, all the things that kind of came along with the regulatory compliance and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, right? So what happened was you had 
all of a sudden this massive change at once. Well, what did you have to do? Well, if you're busy as a company in general, you have to go out there and you have to massive hire because there's this like quick turnaround that you have. I mean, just picture like, like, you know, trying to turn around like a vaccine in general, right? Like, you know, we did that in relatively a quick amount of time, you know, all things considered, right? You had a massive pandemic going on. Well, okay, that's one thing to like, you know, get this going, get it approved and stuff. Well, it has to get distributed, it has to be tracked. And, you know, there's all the stuff that goes along with that. Well, there's that software that has to be developed. Okay, well, how do you get somebody here that may be happy at another company? Well, you pay them 40% more than what they're making because it's going to make them jump. And all sorts of other people kind of like followed suit with that companies, right? Uh, but then also to backfill those people, like you may have brought in people that weren't as experienced um, that some of the people that like, you know, like left uh, or jumped ship, you know, the great resignation. So now you have like all these people in the ecosystem, different companies, you know, um, all doing what I said, like, you know, that you don't want to do is you don't want to take a job for the wrong reasons. And a lot of times that, you know, usually involves money because just remember the more money that you make, um, that's awesome. But let's just say like, you know, you're high up in a company and then like you lose a customer. Well, then maybe you're the first one out the door because you're new and you're making all this money, right? So, um, Money isn't always like the the best the best decision to make as far as you know <laughs> um, job hopping. As a matter of fact, it's you know should be like the last thing on your list, like being happy, you know, um, work life balance, things like that. That should be number one. Um, so anyway, so you have all these people out there, and all of a sudden, then COVID slows down. So you went from this massive change in the span of a couple of years all sorts of hiring, people jumping all over the place as far as, you know, jobs and promotions and, and different companies. And then it all of a sudden comes crashing down. And then you got a recession. Now all of a sudden the people that were making all this kind of money still think that they're worth, you know, X amount of dollars when in reality, like the market has kind of teetered off to where I would consider a lot more reasonable from where it was, you know, a year or two ago. Um, and you're kind of like, some people don't want to let that go, right? So there's that problem because they can't find a job because they don't want to like the amount of money that they made before go. Um, and then you have a, a lot of people that, you know, got jobs early on that may not have been qualified for that in being put in positions that didn't exactly uh, leverage, you know, success for them. So, you know, all of a sudden, then you have layoffs and who are you going to let go? You're going to let go of like real expensive people that you think aren't worth what, you know, you're paying, right? They fit the need right then and there because that's all I feel like a lot of executives um, had in their head, which was I need somebody as quick as possible. I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. But they probably skipped a lot of like the process that they would have if if everything wasn't under such like a time constraint. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, you just have you have a lot of junior talent that's out there that, you know, kind of went out and got their admin. Right. There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, and, you know, it could be like town stacker, it could be like a wheeler course, you know, things that you're paying for. Um, to, but the problem is, you know, that's just like a, that's a tool for you. You know, it's, you paid something to get into a class, but you know what? I, I wouldn't spend $2,500 on getting certified as an admin. Like, I feel like 
you can do that on your own. Like, you know, maybe it works for some other people that have to be a lot more regimented, but in reality, like if I want to spend 2,500 to get a certification, I want to pay someone 2,500 to introduce me to people that are actually at the end of that. Like, Hey, Rob got a certification, but like, this is the important part is, you know, opening doors for that person. And I don't think there's a lot of people in the ecosystem that do that. I think there's a lot of ways to get to point A, but it, they don't teach you how to get to B, you know, C, D, and so on. And at the end, it's like, well, who wants to just collect certifications for the sake of it? If you don't have experience behind it, then, you know, it is what it is. So I feel like people do a great job of marketing that stuff. And then here we are, now you have a bunch of talent in the ecosystem, but they don't have the experience behind it. You know, before I used to tell people, um, you know, prior to COVID and even at the beginning of COVID, that you just need to get experience on your resume. And that's true. You really do. I don't think that's ever going to change. But experience can come in different ways. So what I always said is like, do pro bono work, like go knock on the door of a nonprofit, you know, find out if they use Salesforce. Odds are they do because Salesforce offers them a lot of deals. I think most nonprofits have up to like 10 licenses or 20 for free. So odds are they're probably using Salesforce. Go in there and, um, you know, sit with an admin, understand their process, understand what that person does, you know, do 10 hours a week, do whatever they can, you know, free write down all the stuff that you've been doing, you know, over the course of like a month to however long you can do that, you start seeing the same like trends as what you're doing in that particular role, even though it's, you know, free, but you, you understand a lot more of the lingo. You understand, you know, um, from a configuration standpoint, like what they're doing, what they're looking for, what, you know, a user needs, what a client needs, all that stuff. At least then you have half-assed something that you could put on your resume that says, you know, for the last four months, I've been training with this person. It's been a mentor or she, whatever. Um, and, you know, like you're in a much better spot than somebody else. I feel like now that's even tough because it's a lot of work for someone even to bring on somebody from, um, you know, an internship perspective. And, you know, last thing you want to do, I feel like it, in an internship, if if you have one, like, you should really offer somebody a job at the end of it, which I feel like a lot of people don't want to do right now too. So some people want to enjoy the fruits of free labor, you know, for three months or, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think the best thing to do if you're new uh, to Salesforce and you, you know, if you have your admin, you don't, that's one thing. Um, I, I feel like if you do have a job and your company does use Salesforce, or there's a company that you're interested in and they use Salesforce, like you need to do whatever you can to get into that company and then learn the platform and then try to move up into an administrative role or a BA. Somebody that's very focused on the mission of Salesforce on that side of the business. I feel like that's the best way to do it right now. You don't necessarily have to start out like that, but if that's the path that you want to go, um, I think like that's probably your best bet. I mean, I don't care if it's you being a janitor man or washing like the CEO's car, whatever you can do to get into a company in which, you know, you can break into that aspect. It is so tough. Like I, I don't have a spot for, for greener talent, you know, now um, if we did, I would go through, because we're so military focused, I would go through the Hiring Our Heroes program, which is, you know, 
presented by Trailhead or um, Salesforce Military. <clears throat> and that's how I would go about getting it. And there would be, you know, an influx of people there to pick from. And, you know, you just got to go through and vet the ones that, you know, you think are going to, you know, really make an impact in your company. Um, but not every, you know, organization like that, you know, has that mentality. Um, they don't want to bring on somebody new. Uh, there's a cost associated with training and, you know, doing all of that. And, you know, it's in an enterprise, it's a different animal than it can be from a consulting world. Like we're in consulting, you're going to be on multiple projects, right? Enterprise, you're going to might be working on just like one or. So you got to like figure out like your path when it comes to like that. Um, <clears throat> I feel like if you're in consulting, uh, you could pretty much like write a ticket if you wanted to go to enterprise um, because I just don't think like the complexity is there compared to what consulting is. Um, it's really hard to, to go the opposite route, like being a, you know, an admin at an enterprise company and making the jump to, to uh, you know, to consulting where, you know, you could be working on multiple different environments, multiple projects, you know, things like that, playing, um, you know, wearing a lot of different hats at times. So it's, um, it's kind of brutal. Um, I don't envy anybody, you know, and I, I hate, cause every single day somebody sends me messages and they're like, you know, trying to break in and, you know, or I went through this program and, you know, just didn't like some isn't just going right. And it's brutal. And there's really, you know, there's nothing I can do because the work that we have isn't, you know, we don't have room for somebody that doesn't have experience to come in here at this point in time and, and learn. Um, we will in the future, but like right now, just, you know, the specific projects that we're on, we just need like a, a more senior type skill set, right? So I spend a good part of my day saying, you know, no to somebody, you know, that's pinging me on LinkedIn, which, you know, is never fun. Um, I'll spend a really good part of my day, you know, having to reject people that, apply to jobs, um, both through our ATS system or, you know, posts that I have on, uh, on LinkedIn, but as many people that are out there, like there's so many good people that, you know, do deserve a break, but there's also plenty of people that fill up my inbox every single day that takes me forever to go through that will just send me copy and pasted messages, get my name wrong, you know, just like do all the most annoying stuff that just like, seriously just makes me want to go postal because it's so frustrating and i never understood like you have all those people like that are in the ecosystem and they're all trying to you know break in and you take up a bullet of someone's time by just not reading a job description and you know like not offering me anything of value when you re reach out to me and that's a big part of like of what holds other people back to is the amount of time that somebody else is you know kind of filling up your stuff and having to like go through, you know, all of that. Cause you don't want to miss something. It's, you know, it's brutal, but you know, I know we kind of went off, off track there, but so, all right. So COVID, you know, is a big, is a big reason. Um, you had like the ecosystem layoffs, you know, specifically large companies, you know, like the like slalom that was very cultural driven Salesforce. And it's kind of like, well, they did it like anybody can do it, you know? So there's, there's that aspect. Um, a lot of companies went under that were smaller boutique, you know, that would have hired some of the more junior talent. Um, they just couldn't sustain. Um, and again, there's, there's, 
a lot of people out there are, that have the certification courses and stuff to like go through um, that are pushing out a lot of people. Um, but it's definitely tough. Like I, I don't enjoy, you know, it in the least coming to telling somebody no that, you know, maybe good, but it, it's really hard to, uh, to, to be the one because I'm not going to be the one that gives them their first shot. Yeah, so much stuff to unpack. There, um, there is a lot of, and you put it as marketing. Uh, these, let me just start with certifications. <clears throat> certifications used to be the <clears throat> go-to for breaking in. Um, it was like when I got in in the end of 2018, I went through the Maravis Foundation, uh, it's called Maravis now, but I went through that and got admin certified. Uh, and that was kind of like the, hey, this is where you should start. And if you're coming from uh, a different industry, yeah, that's where you probably should start because you need to learn the language. So, and that, whether you have your admin or not, you're going to learn how to talk the language through the trailheads and trying to get certified. So yeah, you should start there. And I think a lot of people get, you can't get caught up in what other people are doing, especially on LinkedIn, because you don't know the whole story. You probably never will know the whole story. So you can see all these people take, I don't know why people are paying for these classes. I don't know. And I feel bad because like you had said, getting your foot in the door. I mean, there's all these other, I think people are nervous. They're scared. They're like, okay, well, this is definitely going to guarantee me a job, but they, nobody can guarantee that. Um, even if you say like with Maravis, we had, they have continued to have uh, networking events with companies where people will come in or just in general networking. Like, yeah, that's great, but nobody knows how things are going to play out. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough. And I feel bad for people that are trying to break in because Salesforce spent, year since I've been in, it's like they offer classes and courses and let's get certified. And everyone is led to believe I saw a video, uh, earlier. Uh, it was like, I'm a Salesforce admin and I make 120,000 a year. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I'm like old Frank would have been like, wow, I'm such a piece of crap. Like I can't like, you have no idea where this person's working. You're making 120 in San Francisco. You might as well make 60 in San Antonio. I'll tell you that right now. Exactly. Uh, so people look at numbers again, going back to the money thing, never take a job for money. Uh, I think most people are like, well, certain situations, I think most people would agree at some point that'll come back to get you unless you, like you had said, if you take the extra money, if you take more money, and you live up to that standard, right? And you like progress and like move into different roles in management. That's like different. If you like take it for the money and you're just gonna, I'm just gonna hang out for a little bit and collect this check, <laughs> like it's gonna get you. Yep. Um, but recruiting, I, I feel, I don't say I feel bad for you, but like I would imagine it's difficult because of all those things that I said. People are like, well, I got my admin. What do you mean you don't have a role for me? It's like, yeah, you might have your admin cert. You don't have any experience uh so the contract that you're trying to fill possibly like may have well you need this certification along with uh this degree and this 
14 years work experience outside of yada, yada, yada. Like there's all these things. And like you had mentioned, take the time to read the job description, right? Start there. That's step one, read the whole thing. And then I would say, correct. I will get your opinion. If there are some like fringe, like on the edge things like, well, uh, I don't have a, what would be a good example? I don't have five years in the Salesforce ecosystem, but let's say it's a health cloud project and I work, I have 20 years in healthcare. Maybe, maybe at that point, reach out to Rob and go, Hey, I read the job description, Rob. Uh, I got your name right, by the way. So, you know, this is a real person. <laughs> um, Hey, this is my, a little bit of, about me. You know, what do you think? I don't know, but that would go a lot further than being like, Hey, here's my residence. Like, I don't, you gotta make it personal. Like, yeah, you know, like, like, you know what drives me nuts? Like, like part of my job is going out there and finding people and, you know, obviously interviewing and talking to them, getting them excited, stuff like that. But I'm not doing somebody else's job for them. Like I'm taking the time to go out there and, and comb through companies that are similar to us that do something similar that are Salesforce consultancies, you know, like, I get people all the time that go, uh, hey, Rob, um, here's my resume. You know, take a look at it. Let me know if there's uh, jobs for me. And I'm just like, are, are you clueless? Like, what industry, what, like, what world are you living in right now? Like, and of course, I look at the resume, but I mean, it's just like the, the like, the approach is so terrible. Like, yeah, you know, like, I love when somebody actually puts thought into a message in on LinkedIn to me. And it and it's real easy to do this. You say, hey Rob, I'm in the market. You know, attaches my resume. Um, these are like five bullet points that I feel like, you know, would separate me from somebody else that is like a consultant, a BA, a developer. You know, like if you let me look. I you lose your mind if you saw the things that people send me. Like it's it's six paragraphs and it's all templated. I'm sure it's some LinkedIn template because it's like based on my experience as a you know developer at so and so company. You know, da -da 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 -da. like I get that all the time, and I'm just like, who responds to garbage? Like if right. I'm ever looking for like well for for one thing, you should be spending your time on your network. And seeing how they can, you could get introduced to somebody. Like any job I've had in the past, I couldn't tell you how long. Like has always come through an introduction from somebody else. Like uh -huh. somebody I've interacted at some point in time, hired, um, interviewed once. Even if they didn't work out, like you know, you're connected with them. I, I, I used to like accept everybody's connection. I swear I did. I, like I actually don't want to be connected with a lot of people anymore. I just want to be connected with like good people. Because the market is just so saturated with stuff that it just, it, it's such like a, a, a waste of time. And that somebody, somebody um, today just pinged me and said, hey, Rob, I'm so-and-so, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm interested in this consulting position. And I'm like, no, I know. We, uh, I interviewed you back in, uh, in August. And, uh, and he was like, uh, or if, I'm like, no, I know you are, we already, you know, interviewed you. And he goes, well, that was like a year ago. I'm like, it was actually in August. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, you know, this isn't the spot for you. 
And like, I feel like you don't even remember speaking to me or the company because you're just blasting people with like the same stuff. Like anybody yeah. I've ever interviewed with, I bet I could tell you like 95% of them that the company or who, and you know, like every, you got to make every interaction, you know, count in your life, right? Like make, take away something from everything. And I, the stuff that like hits me just blows my mind as to this is someone's approach to going out there and finding a job in like a terrible, you know, market. There's only a select few companies that are out there that are really like hiring right now that are, that have new projects, you know? Um, so you gotta like make that interaction count because I also like if somebody applies and they're not a fit, they also try to like apply to like other consultant positions. If they, you know, like, like just cause it's like a different project, like over and over and over again, eventually I'm just like, I don't understand why you keep applying if I don't get back to you, you know? And it's the same way. Like when I post something on LinkedIn, like a job, man, I get like the same people like over and over and over and over again that are applying. And I'm like, if I, if I wanted to, to, to speak with you, if I wanted to interview, like I would have. And I don't understand how somebody could sit there and just do the same thing like over and over again and expect different results. It blow, it just like blows my mind. Dude, just be personal. Like our, our one program manager, Pete, he, what was it? He, somebody like that I interviewed and pushed through the process. And you know what's cool about this guy? He sent me a thank you note. And look, I'm only 42. So like, I kind of get it. I'm at the teetering age of like, you know, generation ZX, I don't know, whatever. I'm not a millennial. Don't consider me one. Not a boomer. I just hate, I just hate when people say that. <laughs> like, just don't call me a millennial. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> but like, I still send thank you emails, like, you know, to people, uh, you know, if somebody does something for me, um, I hardly get any back anymore. And I feel like it's like a lost art because it just shows like, you know, if people realize that, I, and I'm guessing I'm getting treated the same way like other recruiters are, hiring managers, like it goes a long way with just like little stuff like that because it makes you stick out in a sea of a lot that is very much like the same, you know? And like Pete goes, and I remember Pete, he responded to this person's email and it was just short. It was nothing crazy. Didn't have the chat GPT box around it. Like I've gotten a couple times, you know, forgot to take that off when people are sending thank yous. Um, and he just, he just responded with, you know, thank you so much for the, you know, thank you email. That's like, no one ever does that anymore. Um, and I'd encourage like people to kind of go about that, you know, be a little more intimate, be a little more personal, you know, in, in your outreaches with people, because I mean, like you got to separate yourself from somebody else, right? And you have to find something. If the experience is there, the cert's not there, like whatever I'm looking for, if you don't have like, at least leave a, a, an impression with me that would at least want me to put you on my, my internal higher wire. And if somebody reaches out, I'd be more than happy to forward your resume over to, you know, that other person. Um, but it's like little stuff like that. You know, like that, that goes a long way. That's, um, it's, uh, yeah, you'd lose your mind if you saw the stuff that I do every single day. And the, the, the copy and pasted messages I like absolutely hate. Uh, you know, when I reach out to people, I, I'm not trying to like sell them the world. I'm literally trying to gauge interest that, hey, we have a really large project. 
you know, it's going to be X amount of years, you know, um, job stability for a while. And these are the requirements that you need to have for it. And then I just, you know, have a little bit.ly link in there. Go check it out. Let me know if, you know, you're interested. Referrals for good people, always welcome. Like, I, I don't try to sell people on stuff. Um, I want them to read my message. I want it to be, like, short and sweet and to the point. Um, and I'm a big fan of just, like, you know, always having, like, five bullet points that, like, gauges somebody's interest. Because I feel like uh, one time, like, you know, when I was trying, sometimes, like, if I connect with people, a lot of times, like, I'll send a personal message to them, right? Even if I, I'm not hiring for a position, but I see them pop up on my feed, something like that. And I just started going, like, it looks like we, you know, to somebody, like, in the ecosystem, it's like, ah, it looks like, well, you know, we swim in uh, similar Salesforce waters. Let's connect. And, like, one guy wrote me back, and he's like, that's the greatest message ever. Like, I, I never respond to recruiters, but the fact that, like, you know, you just wanted to connect or whatever. And then, like, you know, I waited a day. I'm like, hey, now that we're connected, uh, by the way, I have this role. You know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, it's just like, I don't know, I mean, it's just thinking outside the box and just not being like everybody else. Like, I just, uh, I don't know. You got to differentiate yourself. And that, like, includes, you know, me and and just, you know, overall, like, giving somebody that that different experience than that they would at, at another company. I got to, I appreciate your honesty. Honest, honestly, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just, it seems like, look, you gotta, I would say you gotta play the game and the game is not uh, blast as many people as you can to see what happens. Uh, and I don't, if you are, you probably change your approach, but what I'm, what I want to get at is if I ask you if I reach out to you on LinkedIn and I make it past you or your vibe check is so the kids call it. Um, is that what they call it? <laughs> yeah. I'm a little, that's the new lingo the vibe past the vibe check or something like that. Uh, you, what are you going to do? You have, this is not just you. This is in general recruiters. They don't live in their own world. They have to talk to somebody and be like, Hey, how are we looking for these roles? Well, what do you think they're going to say? It'd be like, I feel really good about this person. Why would they say that about you? That's you. You need to ask yourself, well, why would this recruiter say, I feel good about Frank or I feel good about Rob. Um, you know, I think we should move forward. That I, sets, that sets a baseline for if you make it to the next round of interviews, Rob said he feels good about this person. All right. That's, that's a positive note. Whereas if you're like, I don't know, he has the right certs. So let's see what happens. Like, no way. This goes back to higher echelon culture because we talked on it a little bit. We, and I feel if somebody like cut this episode and didn't listen to the whole thing, cause you know, <laughs> they would be like higher echelon out here, like turning, turning away everybody. It's like quality over quantity type of thing, you know, yep. not to beat a, not to beat a dead horse, but that that's the world we live in. Like, come on now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like um, we have a pretty good process here that, you know, when I, you know, hand somebody off to somebody and then they have, you know, kind of talk to them more about specifics and, you know, ask them questions about, you know, what it's like to be on a, you know, an agile project and you know, whatever, right, from a technical standpoint. I feel very, very comfortable that um, the person that I hand over, I'm going to get positive feedback from the person that interviews, whether it's a senior developer, a senior consultant. Uh, senior QA, 
you know, program manager, project manager, whoever interviews. <clears throat> I refuse. I hate being on the fence about somebody. I, it wasn't that long ago where I, I interviewed somebody and I'm just like, man, this person fits all these like check marks, but there's something about them and I don't know what it is. And I hate that, that I'm just like not sure about. So I remember and I just kind of just sent a, a note to the person that was going to interview them next. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to pass you through or at least have somebody take a look and see if they want to talk. And I, and it was just like, you know, they were the consultancies, which I love. And then they just checked off like a lot of boxes. And then I, I just send this email to the person I was going to interview next. I'm like, there's something about them, but I, I don't know what it is. And I, I just like, I don't want to be wrong. And I feel like it's worth a half hour of your time to make sure that I'm not. Um, or that we're not for bringing them on. Right. So that person interviewed them and they're like, you're right. That person checked all the boxes. There's something about that person that just like I wasn't vibing with. And that to me is like, you know, the reassurance that like I needed, you know, because like every now and then, like, you know, you don't, I, I really value somebody's time. Like, hey, man, billable resources are, are expensive, right? You know, people, um, I don't want to take a half hour of somebody's time because they have to make that up, you know, like to, to, to put in their 40 a week, whatever. I want to, pass over like good people. I want it to, I want it to be like valuable. I want that person to walk away from the interview and be excited about the opportunity. I want that person, you know, right after the interview to shoot me a message and just say like, you know, I absolutely like love that person. Does that happen every time? Absolutely not. But it happens like more time than not. Why? Because like, I feel like I could do a really good job of vetting somebody like right, but from a technical standpoint and cultural, you know, perspective, like, and my number one thing is, how would somebody like yourself and other people here at Higher Echelon interact with this person on a day-to-day basis? Are they going to enjoy being on a team with that person? Is that person going to be a blocker or are they going to help remove blockers? You know, um, all that, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, sorry. It's kind of like, yeah, foot off of the table. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, let's, what, uh, give us a funny recruiting story. Real quick. Um, <laughs> dude, I interviewed somebody one time. Um, Is this a don't do this type of story? Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of things not to do. I mean, this is, this is like, I, it blew my mind. Um, I interviewed somebody and I was really excited to talk to him because they kind of like checked off boxes from our resume and, you know, just stuff that I would look for immediately. And they put on their camera and I think they, they thought that they had on a filter, right? But they didn't. And in the background, I don't like, he got up, walked away, came back. I, I forget, but and he, this person <laughs> had a four foot bong in the background. Like it was like a college dormitory, like just sitting there. And I, so I interviewed this person <laughs> for like five minutes. And I was just like, eventually I couldn't do it anymore. So I was like, yo, dude, uh, that's like a really cool bong you have behind you. Like, where do I get one of those? And he's just like, he's like white as a ghost. And he like turns around and looks and it just, I don't understand like why, like why this even happened. And he goes, 
that's an artifact. <laughs> and I just started like busting up laughing. I was like, you know what the worst part is? You're probably actually really qualified for this job and you're fun to work with. But like, if you did something that stupid, like you would do something that stupid, you know, with a, <laughs> uh, you know, a client or something. And I was like, I can't run that risk. And I, you know, wouldn't feel good about passing somebody on doing that. So that was kind of, uh, that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Oh man, that person. Uh, and it could be something small like that too. That um, one small is four feet. No, small no, wall. Know. Yeah, I know. I'm simply so. <laughs> you, they got super nervous when you brought it up. So, Dude, why is it ghost? He had no idea it was there. I don't know how he missed it. It was to the back left of his shoulder, or the right if you flip the camera around, I guess. But it was just, <laughs> it was just so funny. And I'm just like, I was trying not to laugh the whole entire time. And, you know, like, boom. I just had to, like, you know, had, you had to say something after a while. But that was pretty funny. Did you, how did you end that? It was like, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, like, you know, once, like, I, you know, he cracked, I, I, he told me some PS, like, reason. And he's just like, oh, it's an artifact, you know, like, oh, you're, you're a collector, huh? I'm like, so, yeah, that was, uh, I was like, hey, man, I, I wish you the best of luck, you know, moving forward, maybe, uh, you know, think a little harder about what you have in your background. And, you know, because honestly, I, I don't really care what's in somebody's background, but you can't have, like, drug paraphernalia back there. Yeah, that says more. It's not about the bong. It's more about your awareness. Just, just like clueless. You're just like, there's no yeah. common sense. Yeah. Rob, this, like, again, I appreciate your honesty because as much as someone, this is why people that I've sent, like, referred, you know, uh, that meet with you, they always, they'll always talk to me and say, Rob was like talking to a friend or something. Like, I referred, prior military they would always be like dude it's like somebody we served with because you have that type of relationship oh, yeah. or, um, you make i people appreciate feel at all ease. the good people that you do send over um <laughs> and anybody here you know uh i definitely value that because you cut down my time uh significantly by you know sending over good people right and like i said you know good people always want to work with other good people um and good people always know good people so you know it's a definitely a trickle down effect and um, you know, is everybody going to work out that somebody refers to me? You know, absolutely not. But uh, the statistical probability of somebody that's really good at their job referring somebody and putting their name behind that um, goes a long way to, you know, that person is traditionally probably like three times to one more likely to stay at a, at a company versus, you know, job hopping and things like that. And, you know, that's definitely the kind of culture that, um, you know, I, I I've kind of helped create, you know, here, uh, I think we always had something good. Um, but when you grow, you know, you got to hire more people and you got to hire more good people and it's always harder to continue to find, you know, good people. So, yeah. Um, you can find Rob on LinkedIn, obviously, you know, search for Rob Gifford and you find him through the higher echelon. If you want to click path, follow us on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, we have a read the resume, read the job description. <laughs> Don't just blast me with stuff. It drives <laughs> me insane. You're slowing me down. Uh, I speaking to that, I would recommend reaching out to somebody that works there. If you're already connected with somebody, um, I always, yeah. th I think that's a much better route. Um, we'll call it cold calling Rob. Uh, I would, it's I would probably find somebody, somebody <laughs> sends your name over to me versus you sending it to me. Um, 
you know, don't be shy about sending people over to me. Just allow me to review them first versus like, you know, just blindly inter- introducing me to, which a lot of people do. Don't do that. Rob, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man, it was a pleasure. Happy we did this. We'll do it again.